I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, November 11th, 2017. The only thing we have to fear is the economic health of this nation has there are been... There four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in a dollar, lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I am Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker and Jarrett McKenzie, both of whom, man, I'm going to mess this up. You got the CWS. He got it right. Jarrett's got a CFP as well. That's These right. guys can answer any financial question anyone That's ever right. thought it. of, just ever thought yeah. of. That's why we got our, our question hotline, right? Just throw it at us, guys. That's right. Yeah. I, is that thing filling up? Yeah. I mean, as oh we man, talk, oh, every every it's like week. a Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. Got to wow. clear it out every Monday. Wow. Come in. That's all I can say. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, stock market uh, it took a little bit of a breather this week. Looks yeah. like it's down break. 35 basis points, point three five percent. Uh, man, look at real estate go, though. Mm-hmm. It's a small portion of the uh, S&P 500. A new sector just started out in 2016. They created a new sector for us. Used to have 10. Real estate made 11. Real estate used to be a portion of financials. But uh, you can see now why maybe they wanted to break away. Yeah. Uh, real estate's up this week three and three-quarters percent. I think interest rates are still driving most of that. I mean, what? what? Well, uh, demand, I think, is a, a big part of real estate. Uh, but sure. financials, actually, the overall financials were down 2.7%. So, right. um, you know. Well, but as far as the demand goes, I mean, you think it's there because buyers are still able to yeah. get such a good rate that maybe they're. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at the situation in housing right now, um, you got home builders building, but the inventory continues to get depleted because there's more demand than there is supply or new supply being created. Right. Uh, and the only real positive, uh, when you have a situation like that, obviously, if you're a homeowner, you like this, uh, prices continue to climb. Uh, but with real estate uh, loans, the interest rate on loans uh, being relatively low, you can still you know, have a relatively good deal when you mm-hmm. think about it in terms of back in the 70s when they were paying 15 16% for a mortgage. Sure. Uh, so, you know, today I think uh, that comparison is pretty much uh, a <laughs> foregone. Uh, you know, it's left the building more or less. People right. don't even think in terms of that. But uh, interest rates are still really attractive, and especially as long as the government continues to give us a bit of a break on that. Now, there has been some talk. That, uh, you know, maybe the mortgage deduction mm-hmm. could be uh, less in the future. I think you still get a grandfather based on what I've seen. Uh, and, of course, what I've seen will change five times between uh, now and next Monday, right? Right. But uh, As far as provisions go to this new tax proposal, is that what you're yes, referring to? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You just see it. It's such a moving target at this point. I think what yeah. I saw last was a mortgage, mortgage deduction would be fine uh, if you – 
already had a mortgage. If you got a new mortgage, it was going to be instead of a million dollars max limit, it was going to go half that. Uh, I think some of the uh, some of the trade groups out there, especially you know the those that are into real estate, actually decided that uh, that was probably not the best of ideas, and uh, because of that, they weren't willing to support um, you know some of the some of the provisions of the the latest uh, tax proposal. So, um, you know, as we go forward, uh, we'll continue to watch that. But it's it's way too early to say exactly what we will get uh, in the form of tax reform. You like that? That's yeah, almost yeah. rhymed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well done. Uh, thanks, DJ. Um, Year-to-date, the market is looking awesome, 17.19% on the S&P 500 when you throw in that dividend. Uh, I think without the dividend, the prices are up over 15%. It's uh, It's been an awesome year. Very good. Uh, how do you complain about that, right? Uh, information technology up 38.36% year-to-date. Unbelievable. It is. Yeah. Especially after it's been on the run for quite a while, right? I mean, not just this year. Yeah. It's been doing well for... Wow, years. Even. Uh, a couple, yeah. Now, I will say that, uh, you know, we got the big boost November 7th, November 8th of last year when, uh, you know, coming off the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Technology did not bounce like everything else. It, it almost felt like they stopped to have a temper tantrum because a lot of folks in the technological world are not huge fans of Donald Trump. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of what we see this year is a catch-up for the for the month and a half when the market was up almost 5% in 2016 after the election. So the last, like I said, month and a half or so, uh, the market moved and technology didn't really do much. But starting in January, it surely has tended to catch up. Um, one of the things you can look at, though, uh, earnings season. So earnings season's been rolling on here for uh, about a month at this point. Uh, we're about 90% of the way through S&P 500 earnings reports. Uh, earnings surprise, 11.81%, uh, meaning that the market did a, almost 12% better in technology than was expected by analyst uh, expectations. Um, information technology, earnings growth. You guys see that number, 25.87%. So, not real surprising that your tech sector is up, you know, 38 when earnings have grown just in this quarter alone by 25.87. So unreal. Yeah. yeah uh, you look at the overall, um, the overall uh, report, earnings reports, um, uh, growth in the market 7%, a little better than 7%, 7.13. 2nd uh, quarter was a bit better than that, 9.6. And then if you back up even to the first quarter of 2017, uh, earnings grew by 15.5%. So um, a bit of a slowing in the growth, but still outstanding growth in earnings um, year-to-date over over the last few quarters. Uh, I think we talked about this last week. Our, our most recent uh, uh, measure of GDP was expected to be 2.6%. Instead, we got a, a nice surprise at 3% growth in, uh, in the economy, in the, our domestic economy. So... Um, you know, fundamentally, there there's some reasons why we see such significant growth in uh, uh, in earnings because the economy is awesome. And then, mm-hmm. you know, apply that to the prices in the market. That's been looking good. Uh, one of the things we still get a lot of questions about, and you guys probably get more of it than me, being 
closer to the front lines where our clients call is, uh, hey, I'm getting a little nervous. Should I go to cash? You guys had any of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically, I will be the first to say, when I look at the market, it looks expensive. We're about 32% uh, above the average P.E., the price-to-earnings ratio. So you take these earnings that have grown by 7.13% in the market, um, and, and, you know, you look at uh, – the price relative to that, prices have done even better. So what's going on? Uh, when I look at the price relative to expected earnings, uh, it too is at a premium, but it's only about half as much, like a 17% premium on that particular ratio um, over its long-term average. Uh, so what I really think is uh, expectations are just really high. And why might they be high? Well, we've already talked a little bit about uh, – um, the uh, the tax reform mm-hmm. that would make a difference, and it sounds to me like it's it's still a potential reality. Yeah. Um, so so you're going telling forward, us to take clients to cash? Is that what you're saying? I'm telling you, I would never take clients <laughs> to cash. Uh, what we try to do to avoid that kind of thing, as Jared knows well, yeah, absolutely, is um, we first of all we do a financial plan for them. And mm-hmm. we determine any cash, any of their assets that they might need within the next 10 years. And if they do need those, then we set them aside, take them away from that potential volatility of the market. Right. And uh, we wind up uh, trying to help them sleep at night, knowing that the market might be expensive, whether or not the, the earnings grow to the to the point where it, uh, it seems to make sense again. Right. Uh, you know, it, it kind of takes the stress away Yeah. Uh, so that you know the money you need right now is not really in peril. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is we talk a lot about the statistics. So we've gone back to 1925 and looked at uh, um, how the market has performed since then, especially in rolling 10-year periods. And uh, we know that there's only a couple of instances where the market was actually negative uh, during that period of time over a 10-year span. And we also know that the long-term average on that period uh, in, in return on the S&P 500, large cap um, index, mm-hmm. is about 10.4%. So That's the annual average. The annual, well, it's the annual average on a 10-year rolling period. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, how often does it hit that? Uh, hardly ever. Right. I think in the last, uh, over that same period of time, we've gotten within 10 basis points on a couple of occasions, but for the most part, the market either either overshoots it significantly or undershoots it significantly, but it's an average. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, those stats and, and knowing the history uh, give us a little bit of uh, confidence that uh, that it will, you know, history doesn't repeat, yeah. but it often rhymes, and, and uh, we believe that, uh, that that's going to continue for quite a long time. Uh, guys, we didn't get to the economic reports this week. Employment situation has been pretty awesome uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit of a wage price uh, inflation. That's usually where it starts. Uh, we'll continue looking at that. But uh, I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that when we come back. We'll uh, go to a dog of the week, and then we'll get back into this stuff and answer a few questions for you. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We will be right back. Dog of the week. 
Dog of the Week this week. It's uh, it's one of those times when I just really want to throw rocks at technology. It's uh, it's hilarious the the problems that we have created in solving so many other problems. Uh, but uh, it seems like there's a bit of trouble in Vatican City. Uh, Reuters put out a story this week that Pope Francis, in his, uh, I guess it's a, a weekly report in Vatican City, chastised uh, bishops and priests for, while he is giving his presentation at Mass, mm-hmm. for raising their cell phones and taking pictures of him. Now, he says that it's pretty much okay for everybody else to do it, but the popes and bishops, they really <laughs> ought not be so flashy. Number one, aren't they supposed to not have the fanciest newfangled gadgets? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought uh, cell phones were against the Vatican Code. I didn't even realize no. they could have well, cell phones. Well, clearly, he's just encouraging them not yeah. to use them while he's trying to talk to them. It's not yeah. that he tells them not to use them at all. That's right. It's 2017. But, but what's funny Still. is, they, you know, he's, he's had problems with this before, not just this particularly, but uh, with them... With the uh, fact that they drive around in cars flashier than his DJ, what kind of flashy car do you think he drives? Uh, who knows, Mercedes, an Audi. Oh, really? It's not an Audi. Then how about a did... blue Ford Focus? Wow, DJ. The Pope? is your car fancier than the oh. Pope? <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah, I guess so. The blue Ford Focus. That's I, what the Pope if drives? If I was the Pope, I would still drive a pickup truck, personally. I'd, if I was the Pope, I wouldn't drive. Well, he doesn't oh, really. Yeah, he actually rides around. But can you imagine somebody being chauffeured in a Ford Focus? That's, <laughs> Hopefully it's bulletproof, at least. That's our Pope. I don't know want to kill know, the Pope, I, but, you know. Well, we've had attempts. Uh, that's a sad state of affairs, too. That's true. Not yeah. technologically uh, involved at all. But, uh, you know, it's it's a crazy world we live in when the Pope's got to tell us. <laughs> And not only yeah. his followers, but uh, those close to him. Uh, guys, put down the phone. You At least can... turn your flash off. <laughs> you blinded me. Maybe that's the problem. Could be. Uh, anyway, craziness. All right. I uh, want to get back a minute for uh, for some economic releases. Uh, like I said before the break, uh, employment situation, payrolls advanced, 261,000. We need about 127,000 jobs added per month in order to keep up with population growth. Um you know, this is good stuff. Uh, unemployment fell to 4.1%, spent at 42 4.3%, is floating around right in there. But now 4.1%, uh, significantly below where most people would consider we've got full employment. So um, uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, because what is considered full? Like some Usually five, it's 5%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's the consensus I've heard, you know, for a long time. So, so how, right much, how much further can it go? I mean, how, do you know well, what the, the lowest point that it's been? Historically, I mean, I, I, I don't, not, but I know it's not been this low in many years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. so um, what you usually see is inflation start kicking up. Inflation spurs the Fed to uh, react and, and raise interest rates. Before you know it, those interest rates drive uh, the cost of capital for corporations through the roof. And uh, next thing you know, you know, you've got a slowing economy. Mm-hmm. And what's the next step? Then you might have to worry about, like we did back in uh, 2007, 2008, 2009, uh, recession where unemployment was over 10%. Uh, back during the Depression, unemployment got to the, beyond 25%. I mean, it's it can get crazy, and it's yeah. usually just a, a factor of uh, the economy, the health of the economy. You would have to say at this point 4.1%, the, the economy's 
bopping along pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that 3% growth in GDP that we mentioned earlier, yeah, that's um, another one of those uh, huge positives. We got um, some more information we want to talk about, ISM non-manufacturing. So this is the services index. Um, it rose in October from 59.8 to 60.1. Uh, services account for about 88% of our our uh, economic activity. So uh, it's awesome when you have uh, non-manufacturing indices mm-hmm. doing well. Uh, factory orders, we got a, a few good numbers with that as well. Uh, advance 1.4% in September after 1.2% gain in August. So uh, things are going well in the economy, and this is one of the other points. You know, I asked you guys earlier, it's, you know, do you have anybody that's out there asking you, uh, you know, should I go to cash? Well, the fundamentals of the economy would tell me absolutely not. Right. Um, you know, I've, we've seen... Uh, we watch the yield curve close. It can be a trigger, a signal, you know, to, to indicate that uh, things are going poorly, but we're not seeing a significant flattening of the yield curve. There's really no sign out there that uh, would give us an indication that things are rough on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know that uh, total volatility has not gone away. We know that uh, the business cycle is still intact. So at some point, this party will come to an end. Right. It's, it's not today. Well, that's the key, too. I think, you know, when, when we are in markets like we're in today, you know, going back to your example from earlier, Troy, in terms of making sure you don't have a need for the cash, well, what's your alternative if you're not going to go to cash? Well, I mean, for us, it's positioning the portfolios more defensively so yes. that we can remain invested Absolutely. and hopefully not lose as much as the markets when, they, when, when the economy does turn down and can get back to making clients money as opposed to just, you know, helping them play catch-up because nobody's really progressing when you get in that sort of, you know, oppressive cycle. Yeah, um, Jared, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, one thing that I've been encouraging folks to do as well is to rebalance your portfolio. When you know yep. that uh, year-to-date technology is up 38%, the overall market is up 17%. What do you think could happen there? We got a uh, one sector that's outstripped the economy or the the S&P 500 rather by 20%. Uh, you think you might be overweight in technology? <laughs> Just maybe. And you know, in order to kind of guard yourself against that potential, uh, you should rebalance your portfolio once in a while. Yeah, is it going to hurt you to sell off some technology when you know it's had such a good run? behavioral heuristics, those biases that we all have and can't avoid, mm-hmm. would tell you that, yeah, it probably is. Not only that, but, you know, you might have a tax implication. There's still plenty of stocks out there that you may have owned and had exposure to. If you've got losses, you can offset uh, those gains with a loss here and there. So managing the pieces behind the portfolio, especially when you own individual stocks, as we do, uh, you know, and encourage our clients here at Hensler Financial to do, um, You know, you've got tools that you can manage your portfolio, your tax situation, and many other uh, various financial aspects. Yeah, into that, I mean, you know, when our clients, they're always saying, well, goodness, you know, the market's at, you know, 15, 16, 17,000, but we continue to rise. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you rebalance at 15,000, you're not really sure which direction the market's going to go. In our case today, it's continuing to go up. So, it's very important to go ahead and rebalance. Wherever the market is, sell the growth to buy back growth because you never know what's going to happen. Yes, the market may be a little expensive now, but it also could be a situation that we're going to continue to rise for the next 
who knows how long. Well, you know, let's got, not miss another opportunity somewhere. You know, when clients start talking about it, I always go back to the, the 10 best days that we always talk about. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, that's what you're really risking if, if you do that, it, even in part, you know, in, in pulling money out. I, I would rather have it positioned defensively, like we were saying, than mm-hmm. to take the chance in trying to time the market. And that's precisely why we don't is because you need those best days. I mean, think about it. At the beginning of the year, after the election, we saw that bump. And, you know, had, had it just been the quick bump and then, you know, we had a tough year, you would you would have been, you know, not in nearly as good a shape had you decided to cash out then as you would have now, even though it looked expensive then. I mean, sure. we were celebrating Dow's at 20000 There's a cookie yeah. cake in here. Yeah. You know, everybody was saying, how much further th- can this thing really go? And then today we're sitting at, what, 235 Yeah. You know, you, you just Crazy. can't. And it seems like yeah. just a few weeks ago we passed 23. It, right. and it yeah. literally yeah. was. Yeah. It hasn't yeah. been long. It's not long at all. Yeah. 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 took a while to break that, but, yeah, it just keeps on pushing. Uh, yeah, the other know. thing I would say is don't get caught up in a number Yeah. 25 2023, whatever, what are earnings doing beneath this? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, look at the fundamentals. What you're actually getting for what you pay yep. uh, is the piece that matters most. That's the way that we analysts actually uh, determine valuation of the market. Uh, yeah. I, I really don't care what the top line number is. Tell me what the ratios are. The price Honestly, ratios. That's what I always go back to when people are asking about North Korea and some of these more macroeconomic events that are yeah. happening. Why, that why we that's, can't forecast. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, sure, that's a concern. And, and yeah, sure. there's going to be some decisions made if something like that takes place. But at the end of the day, you invest on what you know, right? And, right. and what you know is what the, the companies are reporting. And, you know, that's what we're always going to go back to and, and focus our efforts on is those underlying fundamentals, like you said, Troy. Yeah, no doubt. Well, guys, I want to get into this uh, question real quick, and uh, let me throw out our uh, question hotline number and ways that you can contact us. Uh, We might not get finished with this question, but we will get you some information. So uh, question hotline, you can call us at 1-855-429-9166. Leave your message uh, in the form of a question. We'll play it back on the air and answer it uh, right behind that. Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E. Uh, you can also speak to a human if you call 770-429-9166. You can also reach us on uh, various and sundry social media. Again, if you just remember how to spell our name, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, uh, you can get in touch. So let me read this question, and uh, we'll come back and answer it uh, after the break. Uh, this is from our good friend Ed Kelly. He says, uh, okay, guys, I don't mean for this to be a political question in any way. Jarrett. Just keep that in mind, okay? (laughs) I'll do Uh, my best. Much talk about tax cuts, putting more money into the taxpayers' pockets, uh, which is good for the economy. However, how is it different to say uh, a million dollars is spent in the economy by John Doe versus a million dollars spent into the economy by Uncle Sam? Seems that when a million bucks is spent, the economy doesn't know who spent it. Uh, By keeping it apolitical, I want to keep the issue of government borrowing the money in some way, out of this answer. Uh, Thank you. So uh, let us take a real quick break. We'll come right back, and we'll answer this question for our dear friend, Ed Kelly. You all stick around. We've got awesome things to come. (laughs) 
When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. Sell, 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 sell. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker and Jarrett McKenzie. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Before the break, we had a question from our friend Ed Kelly, who was basically, I'll say it, uh, he wants to know why is it better for us to give money to individuals relative to letting the government spend it? And uh, to be honest with you, I think probably the absolute shortest answer there is timing. How quickly will the money get into the economy? How, how quickly will it go to work? So uh, if we're talking about, you guys remember, 2009, 2010, uh, we talked about those shovel-ready projects where the government was going to spend on infrastructure and get money back into the uh, hands of the consumer. Well, think about what happens there. There's a planning phase. You have to consider, you know, what's going on. They said shovel-ready, so maybe we could consider they get shortened. Uh, they pay for the initial kickoff of the project. Uh, the companies get out and they hire new people. Uh, how much quicker would it be to uh, cut the taxes on an individual? Yep. They have uh, real spending money. They now have some discretionary money to spend. How much quickly, much more quickly, will that get to the hands of uh, or get into the economy and start making an impact? That really is the the issue, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. you especially asked, this time of year, right? Yeah, that's right. They're about right. to start spending like crazy. Yeah, exactly. The go. holidays, it's seasonal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just spend whatever. Now, there are a few things that you got to consider um, if you give the money to a company. Uh, in order to do something like that, um, you could possibly wind up with a situation where the company keeps a portion of it. It sure. doesn't hire. Mm-hmm. They expand the hours of the individuals. Now, they still have more money, but you haven't really spread it out that far. Uh, the other the other thing is if you give tax breaks to the wealthy, and I know there's some folks out there that would throw rotten fruit at me for saying this, but it's the reality. If you've got people who already live well below their means, uh, their means being significant, if they mm-hmm. are wealthy, uh, you, you would s- assume that this happens a little more often. Uh, they're going to save the money. Right. It, they're not going to spend it. So in this case, if you're giving it to the middle class, a lot of folks in the middle class wind up spending every dime they make from week to week. Um, you would assume you give them extra money. What are they going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Well, not as likely to save, right? So, you know, being careful about who you give those tax breaks uh, can also be a big part of that uh, situation. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of situations, Jarrett. Good 
Good what, uh, what do we got here? word there. Yeah. Bill would appreciate that. Yes. We'll make sure oh, he knows sure. about it, Troy. Yeah. He, he, it's not, not a case that, today. we got a situation. There we go. And a rather common one, too, actually, because it's something DJ and I see uh, often and, and actually have seen pretty recently. And, and so uh, it's good to revisit from time to time because I know we have touched on this on the show before. But, uh, you know, again, as common as it seems and as important as it is, uh, it's something, you know, we wanted to kind of reiterate through this uh, situation we've got today. So, uh, basically, we've got a widow who uh, was left a pretty substantial amount of wealth from her late husband, and she has two children. Uh, both are grown, and uh, she got one that is married with a couple of children on her own, and the other one uh, was married but has been divorced a couple of times, and that's really where the issue lies because the question is, you know, given the dynamics of today's population when it comes to marriage, especially considering that half of our country uh, does end up in divorce, how can, as we pass generational wealth between generations, do we keep it in the family? Uh, because the situation at hand, and primarily uh, her concern, her being Catherine in this case, Catherine's concern when she passes is that the uh, wealth remain uh, with her son if he were to divorce again uh, so that his future ex-wife wouldn't be able to walk away with half of that. And, you know, there are a number of different ways that uh, she could address this, think about addressing it. And, you know, a lot of times uh, there are a lot of other circumstances that may play an impact on this. But, you know, one of the, the primary ways uh, that we would address that is through trusts. Uh, again, a number of different trusts available to uh, individuals. And, again, it kind of uh, is dependent upon what exactly your circumstances are. But before even really getting into it that far, uh, I would say, one of the things that you know you want to consider is marital property versus non-marital property, and, and in this case, we would tell Catherine to make sure that she understands that the property acquired during the marriage by the inheritance, uh, bequest or devise, remains the separate property of the spouse that acquired it. So, uh, you know, the the property wouldn't be subject to equitable division in that instance, and so may not even be an issue. But even still. It's a good idea to consider prenuptial agreements in cases like this just because that's going to be the ultimate way to, to really ensure that the assets do not end up in the hands of a future spouse uh, after after the wealth has uh, passed down by generations. Uh, but something to keep in mind also is that if the property does appreciate, like so even if Catherine's son were to have inherited that and, and as a result it was not uh, subject to that equitable division, uh, in fact, if that property were to appreciate during their marriage and then they were to get divorced, the appreciation and the value of that property uh, could be subject to equitable di division, uh, as we've seen in past cases. So uh, that's just one of the ways or one of the considerations that needs to be made when doing this. And I know DJ's got some thoughts on this as well, but I will say uh, before turning it over to him is that you know, she's got a couple of options here. Either, either she can do the trust herself while she's still living and set it up so that it doesn't go outright to her son. Right. Or, you know, she can choose to have it set up uh, or her son to have it set up so that, you know, during his lifetime, it's his trust. He's the trustee of it. Uh, the, again, there's so many different types of trusts and ways that she could structure this to ensure that it remains in the family. But if she does not use one of these avenues that I've mentioned, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to prevent something like that from happening. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to the trust. So, so she could set the trust up now. Um, the trustee would have the authority at her passing 
to really distribute the assets how they see fit for her son. Um, now, what his what her son does to those assets once he receives that? So if she if he if he were to receive a, an annual distribution from the trust because she wanted these assets separate, if he were to take those that that distribution and put it into a joint checking account with the new spouse, yep, commingling you the just commingled the asset, and now that became maritable property, right? right? So at that point, they go through a divorce. He just lost it. So mm-hmm. the benefit that she was trying to to set up for the trust has lost the value that that was, she was trying to protect those assets. Right. So the idea is that even if you set up a trust, you really want to keep everything separate. Meaning, you know, you have a trust, potentially a, a prenup, saying mm-hmm. the house was was mine before we we came into this marriage. These these assets that are in trust for me will be distributed to me, and I open up an individual checking account or savings account, I receive those trust distributions, and I'm going to put that in this special account for my name. I'm not going to mingle those assets unless we want to do something together. And then you take a smaller portion of those assets and distribute it to, say, your joint checking account, and you can, at that point, mingle those assets. But anything that's put into that that joint checking account Mm -hmm. is basically... Jointly at only. risk, yeah. yeah. At that point, it's 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 at risk. And if you take anything, if you take a, a, a joint asset and put it into that individual savings account that you were trying to keep it separate, well, you just muddied the waters there as well. Yeah, you know that that then is is uh, potentially you, at risk. You bring up a good point, man. It's not just about educating Catherine on the best way to do this because even if she were to structure it appropriately, there's still a chance or a possibility. Uh, that her son could make decisions after her death that would then, you know, in some of these instances, like what you were saying, uh, enable his spouse then to have access to those assets, even though she was trying to do uh, something completely differently. But you also mentioned, you know, the prenuptial agreement with the uh, the trust set up, and, and that's actually an excellent option because if the trust is set up in conjunction with the prenuptial agreement, then the assets placed in the trust are owned by the trust and not considered marital property during the marriage, and that's even in community property states. So if you set up a trust without the prenuptial agreement, you may have little or no protection, but uh, a court could consider the assets in the trust marital property subject to division uh, in that case. So it's something you, you would want to keep an eye on and, uh, and, and keep on your radar if you were going through this. I mean, I think having both of those in place, the prenup, and the trust is going to give you the ultimate protection when trying to, you know, pass down this wealth between generations and make sure that it does stay in the family. And again, this is an extremely common scenario that that I talk with clients about a lot because that's the thing. You, they they may even like their child's spouse, but you never know if they pass away and then, you know, the money gets passed down to the children and then the child passes away, well, now you may have a situation where that spouse that even though they liked is married to someone else, but she got the money, and now the, that those assets are completely outside of the family that worked so hard to, to grow that money, you know, and so it's just a, it's something that not many people consider, but, but a lot more should because of how dangerous this can be. Absolutely. So we've got uh, more questions we'll answer when we come right back. Uh, stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker. 
I call you by the wrong name so often that I almost always try to call you Baker. <laughs> that's wrong. DJ Baker. That's there was a right. guy. Just, just, you see, that's there's no awesome smile story. there at all. You don't, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, I don't and, even and joke that's, about that. That's, that's not That's right. Jarrett McKenzie in the background. Uh, McKenzie, that's McKenzie. right. McKenzie. 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 I, you know, whatever. I don't call you by the wrong name. I just usually yeah, don't call you at right. all. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> as far as DJ is concerned, there is an awesome story. We used to have a guy here at Hensler Financial who decided he was going to help you by taking out the mistake you made in your name. That's correct. He, he removed the R's the R. in the middle of your name, so you became DJ Baker to me, and you have for a long time. I <laughs> jokingly call you that. It's yeah. been so long ago that I think there's only one or two of us that remember it. Yeah, yeah. He but came so. to me and said, hey, I just want to let you know I helped you out. You've been spelling your name wrong. <laughs> I took out the R, so that way it's right. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so that is absolutely right I'll call and inform my mother. Thank you. That, uh, Thank you. That, that we've had it wrong all along. <laughs> my grandfather's really going to be upset all these years. <laughs> did, he, wow. did he call Social Security for you, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. changed well, over Okay. How yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> anyway. All right, so we've got a question here from Tom from Atlanta. He called our producer this week and uh, had a few questions. Uh, here we go with Tom's question uh, he has a fair amount of capital gains and is considered considering selling three stocks that he has a loss in uh, under armor kroger and allergan uh, this would help him offset some of the gains this is tax loss harvesting we do this all the time around here yep. uh, he says i'd like to know if these would be good to sell well if you've got a loss and your tax loss harvesting surely they're good to sell right mm -hmm. uh, but if you're saying you're going to sell them and never buy them back, that's a different question. So uh, in order to take, take the losses uh, on your taxes, you have to be out of that stock for 30 days, right? Is it 30 or 30? 31. 31 yeah. days. Okay, so after 31 days, if you still like the stock and it was still valued well for you, you can actually buy it back. So uh, just know that in the back of your mind. Now, you ask about Under Armour, the symbol UAA. Uh, athletic wear, I guess. Uh, you can buy shoes, um, all kind of Yeah, they got a lot of garments. different lines now. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really more of a fashion company at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I think I would agree. Didn't they just get that. hit really hard? Yeah, they've been yeah. beaten up pretty bad lately. Uh, earnings have been bad. Um, we see, uh, well, earnings growth, uh, the bigger things is their profitability, but earnings growth uh, expected to be 6.7%. Uh, no, it has been 6.7% growth lately, uh, expected to be over 10%. Some of the numbers in here, you know, when I look at it, the, the company doesn't look horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem that I have is it's still one of those fashion plays, and uh, I have not done well mm. for a long time. It, it really makes me skittish. Uh, consumer tastes can change so quickly, mm -hmm. and uh, when you're out in the fashion world, you're just out. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, names like Lululemon coming on the scene. Hey, you remember Crocs? Oh, remember yeah. when yeah. Crocs was the best thing going? Yeah, I remember when I saw you in the office wearing some that day. Uh, well, I mean, I do have some Crocs, <laughs> but I never bought the stock. I yeah. can assure you that. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes something that's the most favored uh, item of the consumer is not necessarily the best stock. I think the price got a little little ahead of itself, and it's been beaten up. To be honest with you, uh, you sell it. I wouldn't recommend buying it back. Uh, you asked also about Kroger. Kroger's in the uh, grocery business. There's been a lot going on in that space, uh, probably not the least of which is the fact that uh, we saw a recent announcement that Amazon bought Whole Foods. Yep. 
Uh, there hasn't really been much change in Whole Foods. Supposedly the prices came down. I walked through the place, and I'd be honest with you, I don't shop there much, but I haven't seen anywhere the prices look remotely uh, reasonable to me still. Uh, it, it's a store that's, that doesn't – I'm clearly not their target, target audience. <laughs> I'm uh, not uh, not as concerned with environmentalism and that sort of thing as maybe I should be, but uh, I, I surely realize when I see – you know, their toilet paper compared to other places' toilet paper, the price still just doesn't seem yeah. to mesh with me. Uh, so in the in regards to that, Kroger, on that day that they announced Whole Foods was going to be purchased by Amazon, Kroger fell over 9.5%. Uh, if you look at the valuation of Kroger right now, it looks actually really attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that happened recently is they came out, uh, management came out. Their earnings have been pretty decent. You know, they've been hitting their numbers, uh, but they came out and guided down. Anytime management tells you that the future is not as bright as we said it was a few minutes ago or a few years ago or months ago, uh, guess what happens to the stock? It gets beaten up. So uh, the price has been adjusted for various things, uh, some of which I think are, are probably overblown. Uh doesn't mean you shouldn't sell it. Go ahead and take your loss. Manage your tax situation. Uh, like I said, it's something we do around here for individuals. You can only do that, by the way, if you own individual stocks. It's not something you're going to be able to do when the S&P 500 is up 17% in the yeah. year uh, and you own one ETF, exchange-traded fund, that covers the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. All those stocks behind the scenes that you actually have uh, that are impacting your gains, yeah. uh, if you're in a taxable account, you can do very little or nothing about right, managing man. your tax situation. So, uh, yeah, sell Kroger if you still like the company, which I, I do. Uh, you know, you could buy it back in 31 days and be fine there. Um, and uh, last, if I can get this page to turn, is Allergan. That, too, has been a very tough spot lately. Uh you know, pharmaceuticals have truly been on the skids for the last few months. Uh, uh, bio companies that uh, produce pharmaceutical products have been in the same tough situation as well. So, uh, you know, all things considered, you do have a loss if you've held it uh, over a short period of time. You might not so much if you've held it for a longer period of time. Allergan hasn't done poorly for ever, but it has recently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to take take your losses and and uh, move on, I think that's probably a good idea as well. Tom, we appreciate your uh, reaching out to us, and uh, any of you who have questions uh, that want to get them answered can always call us, 770-429-9166. So, uh, guys, we have uh, another question here. Y'all, one of y'all want to yeah. throw it out there? Michael from Ackworth. So he's currently 33. Jarrett? For the past 10 years, he's worked to contribute $10,000 a year to his 401k, and he has about $145,000 in that. He also has about $58,000 in a Roth, but it seems like he's not where he wants to be. He rents an in-law suite from his parents. He wants to buy a house, furnish it, and get married. So he's thinking about suspending the retirement savings for a few years until he gets married and kind of gets everything, you know, his goals reset. Uh, is that going to put him behind the scenes? Well, I mean, I think any time that you uh, 
you know, stop saving when, when you've been doing so for quite a while. Sure, that's going to maybe hold things back a little bit because you, you're, you're cutting that off. But at the same time, I think he's probably well ahead of the game, so to speak, uh, where, from where some of his peers might be just because of how well he's already done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, what we know is in the long run, that could be as beneficial than had he not done that. But let, let's say he already bought himself a house, furnished it, had already gotten married and didn't have any savings, but was now going to start doing what he has already done and contribute that $10,000 a year to his 401k for the next 30 years. Uh, because, you know, in, in this instance, he's done that for 10 years and, and maybe wants to pull back on it for a while. Uh, in doing the math and, and just keeping this pretty simple, uh, based on a 7% return, which is uh, a case that we've looked at in some of the classes that we teach over at KSU, uh, he would actually be better off the way that he's done it, even if he didn't save another dollar. He'd be better off at age 65 than someone who were to begin doing what he has done now, and they did it for the next 30 years. So just to clarify, if he did this for 10 years, saved $10,000 a year for 10 years, and got himself 145000 yep. the compound interest on that, assuming a positive return of 7% annually for the next 30 years, would be more meaningful than had he not done anything up until this point and then started to do exactly what he's done for the next 30 years. He would be better off than that person. So my point is, look, Michael, I think you're already ahead of the game. I I don't know that taking some time off to do some of these other things like getting married and purchasing a house, it's not going to be – hurtful to you but might that put you behind a little bit sure again if you're going to cut your savings off to do something like this uh then obviously you won't be as far ahead as if you would have been otherwise but at the end of the day uh, i think you're you're well ahead of the game already so don't try to do both save early that's that's the key (laughs) that is exactly right all right guys mark it up or down we're uh almost done here man after today i say it's got to be up that's going up yeah yeah all right it's a Unanimous. We're all saying the market is up. Thanks for listening. Money Talks will be back next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.